really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. signal uh, we, we put the notices out beforehand this week because I wanted to give an opportunity for some testimonies today and we have a couple lined up already people have contacted me so if Sandy and Linda wants to come first of all um, I've given them two minutes so uh, I, at that point they'll be getting a strong arm on the shoulder so who wants to go first Okay, morning church. Um, my testimony is really um, my journey from, I suppose, when I joined here, um, how my faith has grown. Um, two years ago this month, I got baptised, which was the start of the journey. Not the beginning, it was the start. Um, and it involves Hussein. He's not here, he's in, in bed, he does a night shift now. So from that, you'll gather that... He was a refugee, he was an asylum seeker. He is now a refugee. Um, we've been praying for two years for him to get his interview, but then that wasn't definitely, he was gonna get his leave to remain. He may have to leave, so for two years we've like, what do we do with our relationship, with everything? Um, and then he got his interview two months ago, um, and within two weeks, he didn't just get his letter, he got his card. So he's got his leave to remain. Um, so I just want to thank the church because you've been behind us all the way. I've had doubts, he's had doubts, we've nearly walked away, separated. Um, he got scared that he would hurt me. Um, but yeah, so I just want, that's the testimony that never doubt God. Never ever doubt his love for you. And always trust in him, because even though I always said, if it's not to be, then that's the way God wants it. And not it's not me. We don't choose what he does. Um, so thank you. And I just, yeah, we got engaged. Um, and the most important thing, Hussein's going to get baptised. So, yes. Hussein made a commitment when we took a, a coach up to the Franklin Graham event in London. Uh, Hussein went to the front and made a commitment to follow Christ. Uh, and, you know, he's been in the church for two years and didn't do it quickly. He wanted to think it through. He wanted to be sure. And to my surprise, he did that publicly there. And we've, we've, we've talked about baptism. So it's been a journey for him. And God bless him. And God bless you in that. Sandy. Morning, church. Um, well, uh, Liz and Grace, um, I, can't re I don't know if you remember, but when I had to go to court, this was in June. Well, um, I was disabled, I don't know if any of you know, um, but I was disabled in a wheelchair for 17 years. And um, I finally got a divorce in June, but actually when I went to court, my ex-husband has been really, really horrible. So we went to court and Grace, I spoke to you and you said to me, just be quiet, don't talk. Well, when I got to court, I couldn't talk. My mouth was so dry. So Linda came with me. So Linda 
did all the talking. So she was talking to the judge. Well, my ex-husband didn't actually know that the judge was disabled because we yeah. saw him come in because we were there early. He was on crutches. But um, it worked out that the judge was just utterly amazing. He was so much on my side. And Linda did the speaking. I was just going like that and writing things down. So, you know, if you really, truly believe in God, trust him with everything you do. You know, every, everybody kept saying to me, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, just go with, go with God. And really, that was a long time. It took me a long time to um, pray about it. But when I got there, I was speechless. So, you know, God, amazing. He, ama he does amazingly things and he turns your life around totally. Not always the way we want. It might, at the time, you might feel, why is he doing this to me? God never punishes. Never, ever punishes. So thank you so much for letting us give us your testimony. Amen. God bless you guys. Continue to pray for Gunnar, uh, Sandy's uh, grandson, who obviously um, has been very seriously ill. If you've seen the uh, stuff on Signal, continue to pray for him. It was a, a lot of challenges when he was first born and... I uh, didn't have enough oxygen and various things. So continue to pray for that for full restoration. And I know Sandy has shown her daughter the messages that you've been praying and you've been sending. sending. So that's a great testimony, a great witness when people know um, miracles happen because the church prays. We tell our sons regularly when they get promotions, when things go well for them and work, that's because you have a praying mother. Yeah. And, and they have to acknowledge it. <laughs> Any other quick testimonies um, uh, while, while you're thinking about that and maybe coming forward? Uh, part of our theme of fasting this year is, is from Colossians 2.7. Uh, we looked at it as the men yesterday morning. It says this, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Is there anyone overflowing with thankfulness this morning? Okay, so I see a lot of, come on then, Benny. I've seen hands, but nobody moving forward. Praise God. It's a quick one. So I've been having like some challenges, you know, and some weird. I'm not those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> and some weird, you know, dreams and all that. And um, I, I, when I came for Little Stars, Kerry prayed with me, and for two days now, it's all gone. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> praise God. Thank you. Anyone else quickly? Come on then, yes, come, come, come. Morning, everybody. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but um, I just wanted to share my experience really of yesterday's retreat and how incredible it was. Um, there was a reading at the beginning and we were asked to um, just pick up on certain words that really meant something to us um, and what we thought God was trying to, to show us. Um, and there was words... Um, promise to children um, and there was also he took notice of his lowly girl and generation to generation and um, what I thought about from that was um, the promise to children um, I heard that I'm making a promise to my children sorry I'm really emotional today because I've had quite a challenging morning um, to be the best mum that I can be already there um, and I think, because I've always doubted that, um, 
But this morning, I've had a really challenging morning with my boys. Um, but I do believe that actually it's God's way of saying to me, this is your opportunity now. I've had two hours this morning where the boys have just been quite unkind to each other, quite rude to me. Um, and yeah, it's been quite difficult this morning. But I think it was God's way of saying, don't be shaken. This is your moment now to prove how much of a good mum you are. Um, and... Yeah, I just think, I, I just want to say thank you to my boys for being the best teacher um, because you show me how to be the best mum that I can be. Um, and I just, I just want to say I love you and thank you. Kerry, why don't you come and we'll, we'll pray for, for Lisa. We do keep hankies at the front, just, <laughs> not just for me, uh, but they are a useful tool. Do you want to come? Oh, Father God, we thank you so much for this amazing family. We thank you for all that they bring to new life. We thank you for Lisa's honesty and just ability to move us all. And we just place this family into your hands. We pray that you will bless them. We pray you will continue to just work in their lives. We thank you so much for just the characters that they are. And we pray that you will use them mightily. Show them who they are in you. Show them how much you love them. And also show them how much we love them. So we just place them into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, guys. Are you sharing, Darcy, first? Um, I haven't been feeling well, and my cheek has been hurting and my head has been hurting, um, and I've been praying, and this morning I woke up, and I thought, I'm going to need to take my medicine for my cheek, and the pain was all gone. Fantastic. Well done. Thank you, Darcy. Thank you. Um, it's a year this week since I came to this church, and I can only say thank you. That's it, really. Thank you to the Lord. Thank you to all of you for welcoming me, for making me feel so at home. And just my life's changed completely, completely changed. So thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I just want to share that I've been on quite a long journey. I've been looking for a new job for quite a few years. And I just want to give thanks to God first to, because I now have a new job, which I'm starting next week. And also thank you to the many, many people here who have stood with me and kept me strong in faith and hanging on in. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Liz, Liz is going to get an extra special Christmas present this year because part of her job is she's going to be a chaplain working for an organization. So if you see her in a vicar's collar, um, <clears throat> we've already looked online and got, seen a nice pink one for her. So, so for a moment there, I thought she was gonna say, as you know, I've been looking for a new church. So, 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 uh, so I didn't know that. Um, thankfully you haven't. Um, so let's, let's take a moment to, to welcome one another, uh, say hello, uh, that involves us getting up, moving around. If you need, if you need prayer, 
then ask someone to pray for you. Maybe you want to experience more of God's love this morning. Uh, give a hug to someone who's been crying. You have a few options this morning. Um, bless one another as we're doing this in our welcome time as we move on. Just want to do a couple of quick announcements. For those of you who are on Signal, um, you saw last week and this week, we sent out some video announcements to, to try and reduce the number that we're doing in the service. Uh, if you're not on Signal and you'd like to see that, then you can scan that. Or if you are on Signal and have missed it, then you can scan that and that'll take you to the video announcements, which included the idea of testimony today. Uh, but just a couple of things I really want to talk to you about. Uh, missions giving. As you know, we're having our, our Pakistan party next Saturday. Uh, with the kids at 10 a.m. So we're, we're looking for the, the kids to come along, be part of that as we do our, our joint party with, with Pakistan. Thank you for those of you who have given specifically to missions over the last couple of weeks. Um, we've raised, uh, these are the rough totals, about 550 pounds for Pakistan. There's more, <laughs> there's more. Um, 300 pounds for India, for some of the work that we're involved in there, yep. And there's more. <laughs> some of you recognize that from the accent. And um, we also, through generosity of individuals and some of the, the church as well, um, we're supporting the church, reaching out at Christmas, uh, and we've been able to give around 200 pounds to that. So I, I, yeah, I think that's fantastic. It's, all, it's always been my goal and mission to have connections with churches in every continent, maybe with the exception of Antarctica. We'll let that one slide. <laughs> Don't feel any call to go there whatsoever. But every other continent, I want to develop that in our missions mentality, we have links with the church in every continent. And so it's great that we're able to do that uh, for those people. So bless you. If you haven't given and you'd still like to give, then there's the bank account details uh, that you can give into. And because Pakistan in particular is an ongoing thing, we support the church, we support the school that we help found. Um, it's an ongoing thing. So if you're in a position that you can't support the side of Christmas, then we understand uh, that happens in life sometimes but it's an ongoing commitment for us, so you will have other opportunities. But if you want to, particularly for the Christmas party, then um, because it's next week, we'll have to send money in the next couple of days. So if you could do that today and mark it as Pakistan, then, then that would be wonderful. One of the other things that, that, that we're talking about and, and doing in the new year is, is a bereavement course. There are some flyers at the back that gives a little bit more detail. Uh, and there's a sign-up sheet. We've talked about this before, and a number of you have uh, had some significant losses this year uh, or in the past couple of years that maybe you haven't had the chance to process. I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus said he'd come to bind up the brokenhearted, but sometimes we also need to process stuff emotionally. Isn't that true? We're spirit, soul, and body. So it's not just one. God is interested in the whole of us. So this is a, a bereavement course that we'll be doing over six weeks. Um, details at the back. Sign up for it, please. There is a cost involved for two reasons. Uh, we have to buy resources for that. And also in our experience, when you pay for something, 
there you go. So if someone says, I'd love to go, but I cannot afford it, then there will be bursaries available from the church. Cost must never be an issue, but there is a principle as well, isn't there? So I hope you understand that, that balance. So we are setting the cost, but no one uh, will, will be refused going if, if cost is an issue for them. So let's watch a little three-minute video on the bereavement course before we... I lost my son, Addy, um, 25 years ago now. He was only three, three and a half. He, he died of viral myocarditis. My brother and my father died in Hong Kong during the pandemic. I have had multiple bereavements. I lost my mom to alcoholism, my dad later on, my sister to suicide, and my husband suddenly. I've lost a number of colleagues uh, to sudden death. I have had a miscarriage at around 10 weeks, and I've also experienced losing my baby at 28 weeks, and she was still born. My husband died of cancer. It was a long, horrible illness. My grandfather in 2000, um, my father in 2008, grandmother in 2020, and my aunts in December 2020. Welcome to the bereavement journey. I'm Reverend Cassius Francis. I've been involved in helping churches to run the bereavement journey for a while now. And I'm here with my colleagues, Jane Unjan and Yvonne Richmond-Tullock. Our aim over these weeks is to provide a safe place where our guests can take time out to understand where they are and to explore their loss. Loss is a natural part of life, which it's necessary for us to work through for our well-being. And our hope is that over the coming weeks, our guests will dare to face one of the hardest things that anyone can go through, the death of someone important to them and work through what that means for them and find ways to cope for a good and healthy future. Anyone who feels they haven't had the opportunity to grieve someone special in their life, it's never too late to do good grief work, even many years after someone has died. So Father, we thank you that you are committed to us, that your plans for us are to give us a hope and a future. And we pray as we advertise this course is on the website, social media, Lord, that those who, who need to work through these issues will, will find out about it, that as we share about it, the, the people that need to deal with this issue will be enabled to, to deal with it. Lord, we bless you and thank you for your commitment and your love to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. And then one, one final slide is, is always, uh, we mention giving simply because it's a spiritual principle. It's part of our walk with God. It's, it's not for the SAS of the Christian life. It's not for the elite. It's not the commandos. It's just a normal part of giving because as, as we know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. In the Psalm, Psalm 50 verse 14 in the New King James Version says this, offer to God thanksgiving. 
We've done that today, haven't we? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. So the practical and the spiritual work together. So Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've given us that we're able to, to reach out to others and other nations. We thank you for people at times sacrificing to give in order to do that. And we pray that what we give will be multiplied and blessed across the nations. That one day in eternity, when we're in heaven, there will be people there because we give. Bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We're in week three. It's the final one. We, we had to change things around slightly uh, just to continue this message of becoming a spiritually dynamic church because of how things ended last week. So we're just going to continue that. A part of what I was thinking this week is, is how we all need to build strength into our lives. And every year, I, I haven't been to the gym for a while because I hurt my left shoulder as well. And I know. And shoulders take a long time to recover. And it's like, if you're in pain, going to the gym is, is not an attractive option. So I haven't been for a while. And I've noticed just the lack of strength. Muscles waste away in three weeks. Do you know that? If you don't use them. We all need to build strength into our lives. And I was watching a documentary on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's, that's not a self-portrait, uh, <laughs> in case you were wondering, Mike. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a very interesting character. The way he approached his life, the, the dedication and the determination and the devotion, because at age 15, he, he said, I was weak, I had no strength, and I saw a poster uh, of a Mr. Olympia, uh, and he said, I want to do that. And within five years, he had won uh, a title, Mr. Universe, at age 20. He then went on to win Mr. Olympia title seven times, and is regarded as one of the world's best bodybuilders. Now, I'm not sure many of us would want to look like that, uh, uh, Ian? No. Uh, maybe so. Uh, Liz, would you want them to look like that? I don't know. Uh, not sure, not sure. Some of you ladies suddenly perked up a little bit there, didn't you? Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger was not only determined in this field, did you know that he was governor of California from 2003 to 2011? Eight years. And California, I think, is the, the world's fourth largest economy. It's, it's a massive economy, and he was a governor. He was voted most influential, in the, in the top 100 most influential persons in the world twice, not just once. So while we may never want to look like that, I admire his dedication, I admire his devotion, I admire the discipline that was required to build the muscles. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about becoming a spiritually dynamic church. How do we build strength into our lives? Because we need not just physical strength, we need spiritual strength into our lives. And we've looked at a couple of things that I think is helpful. We're, we're going to finish the last two. We've looked at this idea of purity. You know what? We, we need to be holy people. We, we need to be people of holiness. Our lifestyle needs to be different and distinctive from those around us. That's what the scripture actually says. People have to be able to identify us. And not out of a, a legalistic ticking box. It's because we have been set apart by God. For him. 
That's what scripture says. That's what holiness is. We talked about prayer, uh, that passion, that devotion, that commitment to him. And on the next couple of slides, you'll, you'll see a couple of things that we're, we're talking about in terms of prayer. So this Friday night, we, we have our last encounter night of the year. Let, let's finish strong. I, I know it's busy, I know it's that season, but let's finish the year strong so that we, we go into the new year building up that bank of prayer, having some credit in heaven. That would be good, huh? Second thing that we're, we're going to do uh, towards the end of the year is this praise and crossover service. Grace is going to lead that for us as we kind of see into the new year. For those of you who are old timers, you may remember the old watch night services. That's what they used to call it in the UK, where we'd gather together about nine or ten and we'd worship and we'd pray and we'd seek God and we'd thank God and we'd cross over into the new year in God's presence. Well, Grace felt strongly that, that we should do that this year. And what I hadn't told her previously, that I'd planned to do that anyhow, because I felt. But it's always nicer when someone else comes with the idea first. So thank you for that, Grace, because then I was able to say, Grace, you can lead it. Huh? And she graciously accepted. Actually, Grace is also graciously accepted. She's going to preach for us in January as part of our fast. There you go. Take it, Grace, that's more than I get. <laughs> Grace is going to preach on the power of prayer for us in January because you recognize that gifting in, the, in our life. And part of that, the third thing that she's done leading us in, she's really stepping up, is the this final slide here, is the, the Secret Place prayer team. Grace has been gathering people who, who kind of behind the scenes are those prayers, those intercessors, uh, and that are recognized and have kind of identified those, those giftings. So as a team, we're meeting after the service in the ark for 15 or 20 minutes just to talk a little bit about that. We really want to develop that because prayer is the engine of the church. It is. It's what drives anything that we want to do. So we believe in prayer. And Kerry last week developed that into uh, hearing from God about the prophetic. So we do believe in, in these things and we've been teaching our way through them. So today we're going to look at the final two. And the final two, number four, is power. See, the question I've often asked myself or been asked by others is, how do I get more power in my life? How do I operate in that place where I need more power? And for me, many years ago, I felt God say to me that he would be sending me to nations where I would need the supernatural, where it wouldn't be just about teaching, where it wouldn't be this Western idea of, oh yeah, I know that. Not just an intellectual exercise, but actually that we would need the supernatural power of God. So I talked to God and said, okay, God, what are some of the keys? What are some of the principles to operate in this power? And God took me to several scriptures. And here's some that you may be familiar with. In Mark chapter 5, it's, it's the story of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And for 12 years, she's tried everything. She's exhausted all her money. Nothing has helped but she says, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, if I can only touch his cloak, which a woman should never have done, should never have touched the tassels of the garments of another man that wasn't part of her family. So she was taking a big risk publicly, socially, religiously. Every area she was taking a risk. 
And as she did that, she was immediately made whole. But Jesus stops in the middle of a crowd pressing. You know the story. He stops in the middle of a crowd and said, who touched me? He's like, come on, Jesus. The crowd are pressing in around you. He said, no, 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 no. This touch was different because power left me. So even Jesus, though he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, knew that he was depleted, that something had left him in terms of power. So that can happen when we're praying and we're ministering. And for those of you who are in the secret place prayer team, you will know that if you have spent yourself praying and interceding, you're depleted and you need to be refilled with God's presence. We'll talk about that in a minute. But in Acts chapter 3, I think there's something else. Let's turn there for a moment, Acts chapter 3. I just want want you to notice a couple of things. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Other versions are available. But Peter heals a crippled beggar as they're heading on mine. And you know the story. They're going up to the temple as was their custom. (coughs) Excuse me. And when he saw, verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And we know he's immediately had. In old money it says, such as I have, I give to you. Huh? I don't have silver and gold, but such as I have, I give to you. And then he goes on, when the crowd sees this, they kind of think, these people are gods. How are they able to do this healing? And let's pick up again in verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walked by our own power of God, our godliness. And I, I find that that's a little bit of a tension, isn't it? That's a little bit of a dichotomy. On one hand, he's saying, such as I have, I give to you. And on the other hand, he's saying, well, hold on a minute. Don't look to us. It's not my power or godliness that makes this happen. Have you ever noticed that? You ever wondered about that? Maybe I'm the only one who has questions about the Bible. I don't think I am. I I wonder, is Acts chapter 4, does it give us a little bit of a clue? So let's pick up at verse 12. So Peter and John, because of this healing, have to come to the religious leaders because they're not happy bunnies. And they have to come to the religious leaders. And Peter preaches, he says, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. So Peter and John were ordinary fishermen. They'd never been to rabbinic school. They'd never been taught all the intricacies of the law. They were ordinary men. But people took note that they'd been with Jesus. So I wonder, is that the key? I wonder, is that the key to power? It's not that we think it's our own power. Because I've seen some healing evangelists, and honestly, it just looks like a show sometimes. It just looks like showmanship. And it seems to me at times that all the attention is drawn to them as an individual and their personality. And I'm thinking, 
that doesn't seem to be what happens in Scripture. The disciples are always pointing to, to Jesus and glorifying Jesus. In fact, in Acts 19, it says that when miracles were done, it was so that the name of Jesus would be held in high honor. So I think the fact that these, these disciples had spent time with Jesus, I think it correlates to John 15 as well, where Jesus says, remain in me. Seven times in a couple of verses, he says, abide in me, not the him. Abide in me or remain in me. Keep connected to me because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, truthfully, we can do some things, but nothing of eternal significance can we do in our own power or strength. So I think we can hold this tension in our own lives where we say, such as I have, I give to you. But at the same time, recognizing we don't have our own power or godliness. It's what's given to us as we develop our relationship with him. It's as if we remain connected to the vine. That's where the power comes from. Sophie didn't know it, but it's on the screen now. You can see it's Psalm 24. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. See, I, I, I know this is true. I can't always explain it because God will use anyone randomly. But here's what I know. If we want to be used consistently and effectively by God in a powerful way, we have to be pure. We have to be trying to live a life of purity. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, that's the person that may ascend to the hill of the Lord. Do you know why I think that is? Because when we have clean hands and a pure heart, we have confidence to come in God's presence. It's not that we're any better than anyone else. It's that we have confidence in God's presence. And if we have confidence, then we come with boldness. See, my kids, when they were asking stuff, were always very bold. There's no way I would tolerate other kids speaking to me or asking me for stuff if they were someone else's kids. It's like, but my own kids, well, he's my dad. I can ask him. And so when we have that relationship, when our hearts are pure, when our hands are clean, it's not that we're any better. It's that we have confidence and boldness in his presence. And there's something about that that's very freeing. There's something about that that's, that's very powerful. Because Jesus said, the kingdom is, of God is advancing. And if you know the rest of it, and forceful men lay hold of it. Because they know they're in the right place. The kingdom of God advances not by being passive, but by us being spiritually aggressive in the right way. By us being bold and having confidence in his presence. And that power and that boldness comes out of purity in his presence. I love Acts 1 verse 8. I'm sure many of you will know it. But you will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. God is interested in pushing back the boundaries so the work of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about speaking in tongues. That's a good starting point. But actually, when you look at where they were filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they always spoke the word of God boldly. 
They always spoke the word of God boldly. Every time, that's what happens. That should be the overflow of God's empowering presence in our life. So don't just pray for power for your own selfish ends. (laughs) If you're going to pray for power, there has to be an overflow. There has to be something that impacts and touches other people. And that comes in boldness. See, the interesting thing in the church, I think this is on the next slide, Bethany. Each of us builds into the church what we build into our own lives. See, what I find and I've found over many years is that people come to church, and I've said this before, feed me, feed me, feed me. I have needs, meet my needs. And that's not what the New Testament says for starters. How, how do you get your needs met? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So I ask you, what are you building into your life? So you can't come to the church and expect the church to meet all your needs. It's impossible. It's impossible. Only Jesus can be available for you 24-7. The church is not here to meet your needs primarily. It's here to give you an opportunity to be part of a community where you bring something where you bring something, like we have this morning, like we're doing, where you bring something. Paul says it's a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song, a revelation, a word of instruction, a word of encouragement. Don't come to church looking, oh, I need to receive, I need to receive. All the time. Come because you've built something into your own life during the week. Honestly, if the only time you're engaging with Scripture or engaging in prayer is on a Sunday morning, you ain't going to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger in the kingdom of God, are you? Huh? So I think I want to encourage you as we head into the new year, make that commitment to build stuff into your own life so that when you come on a Sunday morning, you have a godly overflow to give away. Wouldn't it be great if I was under pressure to shorten my sermons? Don't answer that. Because there's... You laugh too loud there, Liz. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Wouldn't it be great that there's so much revelation that you're bringing as a church that I'm under pressure to speak? The hard and simple truth is that purity and power are connected and you need to do the hard work behind the scenes, not on a Sunday morning. It's what you do the rest of the days. So what is the condition of your heart? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, Your mouth speaks. Your words betray you. They will. You can pretend for a while and you can gloss over stuff for a while, but eventually your words will betray where you're really at spiritually because out of the the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's a challenging scripture. Psalm 139, verse 23, and David prayed it. He said, Lord, test my thoughts. Test me and see if there's any anxious way in me any offensive way is how we might say it and lead me in the way everlasting so I'm asking you this morning to examine your own heart and to look not what I think (laughs) you don't want to know what I think (laughs) and I don't want to know what you think sometimes Oscar let's see if there's any offensive way in me not by our own thoughts but by what God thinks Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 4 It's on the next slide. 
He says, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. Truthfully, I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. We can deceive ourselves, can't we? Thank you, Lisa. Anyone else? We can deceive ourselves. We have a great capacity for self-deception. He says, I don't even trust my own judgment in this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. <laughs> it's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. So it's not about what you even think of your own conscience. It's not what other people may say about you. You need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, would you examine my heart? Would you examine my motives? Would you examine what's going on inside me and give me your assessment? Because in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I know and I see. Both of those things are relevant in our life. And Paul was aware of power in his own life operating. And he came to the Corinthian church and he says, I didn't come to you with wiser persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your, your faith might not rely on human wisdom, but on God and the work of the Holy Spirit. So power is not simply to build our ministry or our platform. And that's the issue I have when I see some people on social media they're building their own platform. For me, part of that power of God is going back to what we said in Acts 1. Part of the value that I'm leading, next slide, in new life, is this idea of, of mission. This idea of, of motivating mission. And this is what we say. We acknowledge the importance of mission that reaches and supports the local community and into other nations. That's one of the values that's, that's really important to me. Don't worry if it's not on the slide, Bethany. I may not have put that on. Kerry's going to come and, and talk about the importance of power from a, a slightly different perspective. We know we need power from God. We know we need to receive from Him. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. But there's also power in another way. Thank you, Kerry. So Amelia, um, when she was leading worship right at the beginning talked about the power of words. Words are very, very powerful. Children, if you can listen to my words for a minute, can you go back to your parents for a minute? Thank you. Makes a change. Um, children, back to your parents so that you can listen because we need your help with this bit. So words are really, really important, really powerful. And words have the power to unite or divide particularly in churches. And it's really important that we recognize that and that we can work together in that. So I'm just going to think of some things that could divide us. I don't know about you, but when I meet God, I've got a number of questions I want to ask him. One of the questions I want to ask him is about these things. Why? Why did God invent wasps? Because from my perspective, they've got no purpose, apart from to annoy me at a barbecue and to make children terrified. So if I had my way, I think I would put wasps in my reject bin. Do you agree with me? Hands up if you agree. 
Oh, not many. That really surprised me. Okay. But those of you that don't agree with me, it's not an issue. I'm not going to fall out about it with you. Let's see if there's some other things that we could fall out about. Next thing. Olives. Yes or no? Hands up for yes, hands down for no. Oh, yeah, I definitely won that one. Olives, I do not get them at all. So olives would go in my reject bin. That's it. Sarika's never talking to me again. Next thing. Strictly come dancing. Yes or no? Oh, we've got a few yeses. Grace is now looking at me. This is going to be an issue. Absolutely. Again, to me, half an hour, why? But I know lots of you do like it. So again, for me, it will go in the reject bin. For lots of you, it wouldn't. Next one. Okay, now I have to say, I have actually um, really tripped myself up with this one because what I was going to say is why do people put their Christmas decorations up so early? But I've had a really bad week with my family and so last night we actually put ours up, which we've never done before. So I think I've fallen into the category. But who thinks Christmas decorations should go up at the beginning of December? Oh, lots of people. No, lots of people not. Okay, brilliant. So I think that's not going in the reject bin just because I completely messed up with myself. And the next one, please. Quiche. I think, I think that our next bring and share lunch should be entirely quiche. Who agrees? Fantastic. I think... It's really funny. I think some people are just too scared to agree. They didn't put their hands up. You, just to let you know, you can still go to heaven if you eat quiche. So don't worry, okay? Okay, and next slide, please. Chilies. Now, it's really funny because a lot of you really assume that I won't like spice. And a lot of you, if I've come around for dinner, you'll say to me, oh, it's really, really spicy. I love spice. Absolutely love spice. So, chilli, spicy food or not spicy food? Spicy? Excellent. We agree with that. Okay, chilies are amazing. But it only takes a little bit of chilli to give you a lot of spice. Too much chilli, you've ruined it. Okay, and that ties in with what we're thinking about words, because on our next slide, we've got the Bible verse that tells us, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is the flame of the fire. Isn't that interesting? Amongst our body, the tongue is the flame of the fire. It is the whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Because I really do believe that the enemy can use our words and can use our words to divide, to discourage, to harm, and to just stop God's work from going on. It's really, really strong stuff. But words do make a difference. 
And words can actually start to define us. And this is, I'm particularly talking to those of you that have contact with children. Because if I'm honest, some words that were said about me when I was younger still affect me now. And I'm ancient. But they do still affect you because words have the most amazing power. And we need to be really careful about what we're saying, particularly in front of children and particularly about children. Church unity can also be destroyed by words. I've been in churches where people actually fall out over what colour chairs they're going to have. So people can use their words to divide where we should be united. So let's look at some words and we're going to think whether we're going to reject them or accept them. So if we've got any children that want to come up and read some words for me. Yeah, just come. You don't need to put your hand up, just come. Nice running, Abraham. Love it. Okay. Thank you. So, if you can read the first one, Theo, for me. Yeah. Words that forgive. So, should we use words that forgive? Accept or reject? Accept. Go and, if you pin it up there for me. Can you? Thank you. Next one. Words that bring hope. Yes, accept or reject? Okay. One of the greatest things I think you can say to anybody is, you will get through this. We need words that bring hope. Thank you. Words that encourage. Words that encourage? Yeah, go on. Yeah? So, say that again. Accept. Thank you, Grace. So that needs to go on our accept. Words that encourage. Words that restrict. Words that restrict. We are particularly good at doing this to children. Absolutely. Let's put it in the bin. Because we're so good at saying to people, you can't do that. You can't sing. You can't cook. You can't. We really restrict people. And particularly with children, they will grow up and live into what we expect of them. So words that restrict go in the bin. Words that condemn. Oh, good shouting. Thank you. Can I just borrow that a minute? <laughs> words that condemn. And in particular, I have actually heard this said by a parent in front of their child, they're going to end up in prison. Can you imagine that? Words that give that child that future. Words that condemn in the bin. Words that are gossip. Words that are gossip. Absolutely. This is huge. Because if you're talking about somebody and saying something you are not prepared to say to their face, we shouldn't be saying it. And I think that's a really, really big test. If it's something that you would not say to that person, shouldn't be saying it. Because believe you me, it has the power to destroy. And gossip doesn't stay between those two people. Because if somebody is prepared to gossip to you, they're also prepared to gossip about you. And gossip and slander can absolutely tear apart communities, families. So gossip definitely in the bin. Words that label. Words that label. Again, 
How many times do we say, oh, she's always falling over? Oh, he's always naughty. Oh, she always uses those words. Words, again, that label and that condemn in the bin, please. Words that mock. Words that mock. This is a really, really, I, I can't stand hearing people mocking other people. It really does, again, make somebody feel that big. And that's what words can do. So words that mock in the bin. Words that challenge. Words that challenge, reject or keep. Accept. Why do we accept it, Dom? Absolutely. We do need to be challenged. We are bringing children up in a world where they are told they can do anything. What the, however they behave, it doesn't matter. It does. But there is a way to challenge. And again, it needs to be done kindly. It needs to be done calmly. And it needs to be done privately. Because too often we challenge people in front of other people and it belittles them. But we do need to challenge not only children, but also each other. Because otherwise we don't grow and we don't improve. Thank you, children. You can go and sit down now. Excellent job. So, words have power. I've just messed up your... Sorry. Words have power. Um, the words we choose to say have power. But also the words we choose to believe have power. Because as I've said, I've had things said about me that I've really believed and in a way lived up to as I've grown up. I chose to believe those words. But we have the power to choose not to believe those words. And so we're going to do something now together as a congregation. And we're going to think about some of the words that the enemy wants you to believe about yourself. Um, Theo, and we need you to join in with this as well, so come and sit down. Um, and we're going to say what the enemy might tell us, the words the enemy might use. But then we're going to confirm what God would actually say. So I'm going to read what the enemy says, and you're going to read back to me what God actually says. And let's really believe this. Let's choose. Let's have the power to choose what God says rather than what the enemy says. So the enemy says, you can go your own way. God says, I'll direct your steps. The enemy says, it's impossible. God says, all things are possible through me. The enemy says, you can't forgive yourself. God says, I forgive you. The enemy says, you can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient. The enemy says, be scared. God says, I have not given you fear. The enemy says, you're alone. God says, I will never leave you. And we're just going to watch a video now, again, that confirms the power of words. What's a word? Letters banding together, phonetically clever, they can last forever. Raise up or destroy, like an army convoy. Even as just a young boy, words hurt his soul, began digging a hole. Deeper and deeper they dug, and his steps soon became a trudge. 
his shoulders always a shrug. It wasn't the thugs, no. All it took was a couple weird looks from the wrong people, nowhere to fit in, and he was cancelled. A race without a trace, cruel barring hands intertwined, but nothing fine about it. Hit after hit to the head, words slicing like razor-sharp thread, only sowing dread in his head. Hurt deep-rooted, and he thinks he deserves it, because the words go so deep it's become his identity. No sense of self-loyalty, because they've stolen his very soul, his sense of self, any wealth he had stolen. And all it would have taken would have been a few kind words. Phonetically clever, but lethal in the hands of idiots. Use words wisely, kindly. Raise up with the power of the word beautiful. Be dutiful in your loyalty to so goodness and a sense of royalty. Be the light in a forest of shadows and horrors. Mention only in positivity. Don't talk to me if you only have cruelty. You are royalty. You are purity. You are redeemed and alive, supposed to live, love and thrive. You have a father who has a son that loves you and calls you to him. He uses the words child, son, daughter, come. I love you. You are more to me than you could possibly see. Just know my words are more powerful than those that hurt your soul. Let's rebuild these holes. Isn't that a powerful video? Yep. It's just a reminder, you know, so often I meet people and they're, they're, they're great in prayer. They're, they're really praying for the power of God to come on them and, and be part of their life. But then I listen to their language and how they treat their wives and how they speak to people. I'm thinking, there's, there's something not right here. These things don't match up. So I do believe in the power and dynamic of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe that should filter down into our words, into our relationship and into our community, and that's important. Our final point, kind of out of the five that we're gonna finish with, is this idea of, of God's presence. I suspect that many of us would would be very familiar with some of these scriptures. And you, you know the idea of where, where Moses saying, unless your presence goes with us, don't send us up from here. God had had enough of the people grumbling. <laughs> God had had enough of the people kind of complaining and murmuring against Moses. And God says, listen, Moses, let me just wipe them out, would you? We'll start again. I'll start with you. We'll be fine. And Moses kind of wrestles with God and says, no, no, this is not the way to do it. What will other nations think if you just do that? And originally, if you look back at the history, God had actually said to them, I'll send an angel ahead of you. Now, this angel is going to guide you. This angel is going to lead you. But listen to me. If you disobey this angel, he will wipe you out. And then Moses comes and says, he redefines it. He says, listen, God, don't send an angel unless your presence comes with us. We're in trouble. Why? Because we see in Exodus 34, Moses had a revelation of who God was. In Exodus 34, he comes and says, you are gracious, you are loving, you are compassionate, you are slow to anger, you are abounding in love. So he says, unless your presence goes with us, we're in big trouble. Don't send an angel. <laughs> we need your presence because I know you're forgiving God. And maybe for some of you, as you think about the power of words, maybe you think, oh, some stuff I need to deal with. 
Some people I need to say sorry to today. There's some things, uh, patterns of behavior or words I need to change in my life. That's fine. Know that God's a forgiving God and his presence can go with you. The other verse talks about 1 Corinthians 3. Talks about you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses the word you two different ways. Sometimes he says you as an individual, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And at other times he uses the Northern Ireland version and says, use together. For those of you from different cultures in Northern Ireland, when we say you in plural, it's use. So use lot. That's what we would say, use. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying you in plural are the temple. That's why this stuff matters. And it matters in our culture because we live in a, a very divisive cancel culture. You know, it seems to me now that you can't have an honest conversation with people. It seems to me that you can't disagree respectfully with people because you try to do that and just have a debate or discussion and it's like, you know, hands up, no, I'm canceling you. And we see it all over social media. Do you know social media is designed in the algorithms to magnify negative voices, criticism, conflict, they're designed to do, that's why the people that shout the loudest get the most profiles. Because it's designed that way on social media. God has not designed us in the church to be that way. That's why the power of our words are important. That's why, I'm glad you said it Don, that it's okay to challenge. Because it is, we need to be challenged. That's part of what community is about. One of the values in new life is that we're committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to work actively in our community. And that means at times we have to follow his agenda, his plan, not our personal preferences. So what kind of people ought we to be to allow this to happen? Because we want God's presence, don't we? We want God's presence, don't we? Thank you. Some of you are still awake. We need God's presence because honestly, the church without God's presence is a social club. And not a very good one at that, <laughs> to be quite honest. We need God's presence. That is the distinguishing mark of the church, that we have God's presence. So we need God's presence. But there are some things that will dissipate that. And Paul writes to Timothy, and he's writing in a situation that's not unlike ours, it was a cancel culture without the social media. Past, uh, Timothy was probably the pastor of Ephesus. Paul says he wrestled with that wild beast in Ephesus. He had a difficult time, which is why he writes in Ephesians 6 about the, the battle and the armor. Paul had some challenges as well as an open door in Ephesus. And he comes to, to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 22 to 24, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. They should be your strong relationships. That's my addition. Your closest relationships would be people who love the Lord with pure hearts. 
Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, able to teach and be patient with difficult people. I don't know what kind of church he was writing to. It's obviously not one like ours. <laughs> Paul's writing to Timothy and says, do you know what? What will destroy the presence of God is divisiveness and people who argue. Honestly, it doesn't work in a church. The presence of God goes. And the language that Paul's using is, is quite dramatic. It's quite definitive. It's quite direct. It's, it's like two people caught in hand-to-hand combat. And they're fighting to the death. When you're quarreling over words that are secondary issues, it's like a fight to the death. You've seen that on social media, haven't you? How long things go on. You've seen that in families. How long do arguments go on for? Why can Christmas be so difficult for some families? Because it's the only time you meet those people and it brings up those old wounds, those old words, those old things that you think, oh, I don't want to have to deal with this. And sometimes because people treat you as you used to be. Have you noticed that? Why we have fights with our families is because they want to keep us contained in a certain area and we've moved past it. We've grown. We've moved on. We're no longer that person. We no longer want to be that person. We're no longer willing. But our families and often those closest to us want to keep us contained in those areas and those arguments and quarrels and fights end up in combative words and behavior. We don't have to do that. In fact, if we want to be men and women of God, we should flee it. We should run from those things. As Sandy learned, and it's a miracle of itself, Sandy learned, I need to be quiet. <laughs> That's a God-given miracle. We joke. Sandy's talkative. So there are times you have to be quiet. There's times where you do have to speak the truth. And that is part of my job. It's not always easy. I don't always enjoy doing it. But there are times where I have to speak the truth to people and challenge them. And that's always with the risks that people might walk away. But I have to do what's right before God. What I'm trying to do is hold the line of truth without being hard line. Hold the line without being hard line. See, I was brought up in a hard line environment. Some of you may be brought up in hard line families where it was... This is the line. You know, children are not allowed to move. You're not allowed to talk. I was brought up with the idea children should be seen and not heard. You know, and we, we were brought up with this hard line in Northern Ireland culture. We were brought up with this thing, political unrest, no surrender. We're never giving in, never giving in. And so I was taught the hard line. And I've come to see that biblically we need to hold the line and we do need to do it in this culture today. We need to hold the line without becoming hard line. And that's where grace comes before truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus led with grace. We need to do that as well. Let's just go to the final slide, please, Bethany. Last week, finished with this idea that um, God was, I felt God was saying to us that he wants to establish his work here, that he wants to do something significant in 2024, that he, that he wants to move us on and, and birth something that's of God. And as I was thinking, 
how does that apply to us? A verse in my devotions this week came to me from 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, and I just loved it. I thought, I want to encourage you this morning that whatever you face, whatever challenges, whatever ways you think, well, I'm not there yet, this is what God says into your life this morning. He will keep you strong to the end. He will keep you free from all blame. God will do this, for he is faithful. Can you hear those words of encouragement into your life? Yes, the message of God isn't challenging. And I think some of you need to step up in these five areas that we talked about. In areas of purity, in areas of prayer, in areas of power, in areas of, of his presence. In the areas of the prophetic, some of you need to raise your voice more. These are five areas that I think some of you need to step up in in 2024. So it's a challenging message, but it's in the context of God coming to saying, saying to you, I will keep you strong to the end. I'm working in your life. My desire is to present you faultless without blame at the day of Jesus Christ. God will do this for he is faithful. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth it brings into our experience. We thank you for what you want to do for us to move on as a community of faith, for as, as a church, as a, a people who want to respond to you. Help us to really listen to what the Spirit is saying so that we could follow and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The team are going to come and lead us in a final song. to be joy in the house of the Lord today. Let's finish with just a real sense of celebration and joy this morning as we thank God for what he's done in our life, for how he's spoken to us, for how he's blessed us. If you're able to stay for tea and coffee, then we encourage you to do that. If you need prayer, then we're always happy to do it. Joy in the house of the Lord today. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.